we stand at a critical juncture in our collective efforts to limit dangerous global heating. By the end of the coming decade, we will be on one of two paths. One is the path of surrender, where we have sleepwalked past the point of no return, jeopardizing the health and safety of everyone on this planet. Do we really want to be remembered as the generation that buried its head in the sand, that fiddled while the planet burned? The other option is the path of hope, a path of resolve, of sustainable solutions, a path where more fossil fuels remain where they should be, in the ground, and where we are on the way to carbon neutrality by 2050. That is the only way to limit global temperature rise to the necessary 1.5 degrees by the end of this century. That was the Secretary General of the United Nations opening the COP25 conference. And this is episode 14 of the Climate Change Podcast. And we're going to go on and listen to the rest of his remarks. The best available science through the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change tell us today that going beyond that would lead us to catastrophic disaster. Millions throughout the world, especially young people, are calling on leaders from all sectors to do more, much more, to address the climate emergency we face. They know we need to get on the right path today, not tomorrow. And that means important decisions must be made now, and COP25 is our opportunity. Dear delegates, before I focus on what I believe we need to do at this session, let me step back to give a sense of perspective to our deliberations. The latest just-related data from the World Meteorological Organization show that levels of heat-trapping greenhouse gases in the atmosphere have reached another record high. Global average levels of carbon dioxide reached 407.8 parts per million in 2018. And I remember not long ago, 400 parts per million was seen as an unthinkable tipping point. We are, way, we are well over it. The last time there was a comparable concentration of CO2 was between 3 and 5 million years ago when the temperature was between 2 and 3 degrees Celsius warmer than now and sea levels were 10 to 20 meters higher than today. The signs are unmissable. The last five years have been the hottest ever recorded. The consequences are already making themselves felt in the form of more extreme weather events and associated disasters, from hurricanes to drought to floods to wildfires. Ice caps are melting. In Greenland alone, 179 billion tons of ice melted in July. Permafrost in the Arctic is towing 70 years ahead of projections. And Antarctica is melting three times as fast as a decade ago. Ocean levels are rising quicker than expected, putting some of our biggest and most economically important cities at risk. More than two-thirds of the world's megacities are located by the sea. And while the oceans are rising, they are also being poisoned. Oceans absorb more than a quarter of our CO2 in the atmosphere and generate more than half of our oxygen. 
absorbing more and more carbon dioxide acidifies the oceans and threatens all life within them. Three major reports from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change on land, on the oceans and cryosphere, and on the 1.5 degrees Celsius climate goal, each confirm that we are knowingly destroying the very support systems keeping us alive. And indeed, we are. In several regions of the world, coal power plants continue to be planned and built in large numbers. Either we stop this addiction to coal, or all our efforts to tackle climate change will be doomed. And as the UN Environment Programme has just revealed, countries are planning to produce fossil fuels over the next decade at over double the level that is consistent with keeping temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And the fossil fuel industry is not alone. From agriculture to transportation, from urban planning and construction to cement, steel and other carbon-intensive industries, we are far from a sustainable path. We see some incremental steps towards sustainable business models, but nowhere near the scope and scale required. What we need is not an incremental approach, but a transformational one. We need a rapid and deep change in the way we do business, how we generate power, how we build cities, how we move, and how we feed the world. If we don't urgently change our way of life, we jeopardize life itself. For the past year, I've been saying we need to make progress on carbon pricing, shift taxation from income to carbon, ensure no new coal plants are built after 2020, and then the allocation of taxpayers' money for perverse fossil fuel subsidies. We must also ensure that the transition to a green economy is a just transition, one that recognizes the need to care for the future of negatively impacted workers in terms of new jobs, lifelong education, and social safety nets. If we want change, we must be that change. Choosing the passive hope is not the job of one person, one industry, or one government alone. We are all in this together. And the roadmap established by the scientific community is clear. To limit global temperature rise to the necessary 1.5 degrees by the end of this century, we must reduce emissions by 45% from 2010 levels by 2030, and we must achieve climate neutrality by 2050. Ten years ago, if countries had acted on the science available, they would have needed to reduce emissions by 3.3% each year. We didn't. And today we need to reduce emissions by 7.6% each year to reach our goals. So it is imperative that governments not only honour their national contributions under the Paris Agreement, they need to substantially increase their ambitions. And even if the Paris commitments are fully met, it would not be enough. But unfortunately, many countries are not even doing that, and results are there to be seen. According to the latest emissions gap report from the UN Environmental Programme, Greenhouse gas emissions have risen 1.5% a year over the last decade. At current trends, 
We are looking at global heating of between 3.5 and 3.9 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. The impact on all life on the planet, including ours, would be catastrophic. The only solution is rapid, ambitious, transformative action by all governments, regions, cities, businesses and civil society, all working together towards a common goal. And that was the purpose of the Climate Action Summit I convened in September. And in many ways it was encouraging. Small island nations and least developed countries, major cities and regional economies, all came with initiatives as did a sizable representation from the private and financial sectors. Some 70 countries announced their intention to submit enhanced national contributions in 2020 with 65 countries and major sub-national economies committing to work for net zero emissions by 2050. And I'm pleased to see governments and investors backing away from fossil fuels. A recent example is the European Investment Bank, which has announced it will stop funding fossil fuel projects by the end of 2021. But we are still waiting for transformative movement from most G20 countries, which represent more than three quarters of global emissions. My new report on the summit sets out what needs to be done going forward. Primarily, all the main emitters must do more. This means enhancing their national determined contributions in 2020 under the Paris Agreement, presenting a carbon neutrality strategy for 2050, and embarking on the decarbonization of key sectors, particularly energy, industry, construction and transport. Without the full engagement of the big emitters, all our efforts will be undermined. A green economy is not one to be feared, but an opportunity to be embraced, and one that can advance our efforts to achieve all the sustainable development goals. But what frustrates me, and I believe what frustrates us all, is the slow pace of change, especially given that most of the tools and technologies we need are already available. So my call to you all today is to increase your ambition and your urgency. Dear delegates, the decisions we make here will ultimately define whether we choose a path of hope or a path of surrender. And remember, we made a commitment to the people of the world through the Paris Agreement, and it was a solemn promise. Let us open our ears to the multitudes who are demanding change. Let us open our eyes to the imminent threat facing us all. Let us open our minds to the unanimity of the science. There is no time and no reason to delay. We have the tools, we have the science, we have the resources. Let us show we also have the political will that people demand from us. To do anything less will be a betrayal of our entire human family and all the generations to come. Thank you. So an incredibly powerful speech from the Secretary General. I thought it was well worth playing it almost in its entirety. He made some excellent points, an excellent review of the situation, the science, the challenges ahead and the fact that it's political will rather than the tools and solutions that we actually need. So fantastic speech and in next week's podcast we'll take a detailed look at 
what exactly the aims of the conference were and whether any of those aims were achieved. That's all for this week. Please do star or follow the podcast and share with others. And I'll see you again next time with another episode of Climate Change Weekly. Climate Change Weekly.